There comes a moment when you've exhausted all your options while simultaneously coming across a product that reinvents your notion about what an honest and high quality company looks like. The Healing Rose was the catalyst to that very moment for me. The Healing Rose Company is a female-owned Massachusetts CBD company based out of Newburyport that prides themselves in using only the best USDA-certified organically sourced ingredients for their vast line of therapeutic products. Their line stretches from lip balms, tinctures, skin balms, roll-on oils, and bath products. Their transparency places them above the rest with third-party tested results showcasing their intolerance to toxic pesticides, solvents, metals, and harmful elements. They provide full-spectrum CBD in many of their products, excluding their tinctures, which carry a broad-spectrum profile, ideal for not having to worry about any low-level THC, which is common for many CBD products. That one's my favorite, and it's good on the palate. Full-spectrum means that they extract from the hemp plant an array of different therapeutic cannabinoids along with CBD and their profile terpenes. The combination results in a greater outcome of healing and relaxation for any individual's needs. Whether you are an athlete looking for any recovery advantage, a patient in need of some relief to remind yourself that you are still a warrior, or someone who sees the frontiers of life with a little reserve and want to calm the mental storms that keep you from personally exploring, the Healing Rose CBD Company is here for your full body and mind optimization. Please visit thehealingroseco.com to explore their diverse line of products and support one of New England's best rising stars in an industry where ethics are fundamental and a company like this will only be found sitting at the throne of it all. Use the code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S, for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit thehealingroseco.com and use the promo code SAGAS at checkout for 10% off your purchase. To the many martial artists, entrepreneurs, dreamers, and thinkers, how often, for your own sake, would you love a symbolic reminder of your mentality and the perfect dichotomy to match? Murder Nerd is an independent clothing apparel line that represents the sharp, relentless focus towards personal growth and athletics. It embodies the vitality of their creative owners and the network of people who run on the same frequency. Why not elevate your frequency in comfort and style? Visit www.MurderNerdsFitness.com for their personal line of shirt and hat wear. Enter the promo code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S, for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit MurderNerdsFitness.com and enter the promo code SAGAS for 10% off your purchase. All right, we're back at it. Sitting and sweating. All right, let's see. So let's get right into this. I knew this was gonna come. <clears throat> this obviously had to happen at some point, right? <clears throat> when was the jujitsu podcast gonna happen? <clears throat> and it's now. <clears throat> I mean, I could probably make a bunch of them about it, but this one I think will be, um, unique for me um, <clears throat> and you, you know 
I guess I, I don't, I should feel like I shouldn't have to say this, <laughs> if that makes any sense, but I know that some of this is going to come off uh, foreign to some people, and um, but I hope that I don't paint it in a way that makes people um, not curious about it. Because it's going to sound like it's a bigger deal than you assume that it is. But in my, in my subjective view, it is a big deal. And if you've ever done it or experienced it and managed through it, then you'll agree. So then if you don't, I hope you're curious afterwards to then ponder then pursue what I'm even talking about here. So the whole reason I even wanted to really start with or to do this podcast, at least now, was funny enough, a movie that I had watched. And the movie that I actually watched is a uh, it's a Disney movie. <laughs> And it actually surprised me quite a bit when I first saw it. I actually just watched it probably for the, like the fourth time a couple days ago, you know. You have a three-year-old and that's what they want to do. Luckily, my three-year-old likes fun movies, so, you know, I'm not watching Frozen five times. I'm watching like Big Hero 6 or some Ninja Turtles thing or whatever, you know. I got a tomboy on my hand and I love it. <clears throat> so, but she wants to watch The Good Dinosaur again. And what the movie got me pondering and thinking about was this idea of a rite of passage. And, you know, there's some spoilers here. So just so you know, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. You should watch it even if you don't have kids. But it's an incredible story that I know borrows from other stories. But something about this one, it does it really well. You know, this little, I, I, I guess you, I think it's a brontosaurus. Like, he's this little dinosaur who's trying to find his way and place in his family. He's got two siblings. He's the goofiest, smallest one. And everybody in the family gets to put a marking on a stone. And the stone is part of a wall that kind of helps to collect their food for the winter. And the way you get a paw print on the stone is by like um what do you call it um showing your worth in the family type of thing showing that you have value and that you've you've achieved something to for, um towards a greater contribution towards your family's survival and everybody's done it but he hasn't he's just too clumsy too scared and he um his father gives him a task to try to go after this thing that's been sneaking up and eating their food that they store for the winter. He finds this thing, it's actually a little cave boy, and he goes to try to kill this thing and it actually scares him and makes him freeze. The little cave boy kind of takes off, the father sees it take off, gets disappointed, says, come on, let's go, we're going to go do this together. They go together. Unfortunately, they go into this valley. The valley has this like river that rises when a storm comes. 
they try to find this cave boy and all of a sudden the storm a storm comes and a river comes and the father and the son can't get out so the father throws the, the little dinosaur son out of harm's way of this raging river that's kind of flooding the valley and it carries the son away i mean carries the father away so right away it's about you can tell it a, a, a journey of grief and discovery through like um a parental death you know very lion kingy big time especially that scene but my god the journey that this little dinosaur goes through i'm not shitting you the first time i saw this movie and and i know when you have a kid you know shit changes but when i saw this movie for the first time i was holding back tears at least three times and it really is because it taps into such an such a archetypal theme and story which is good because that's what people connect to you know that's why people are into like hero movies you i saw myself in what this boy was going through and i rooted for him the whole time this little dinosaur cuz he makes friends with this cave boy they need each other they save each other they're angry at each other in the beginning but then they they save each other they 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 um they battle with each other all on this voyage to try to get back to where the dinosaur lives and the amount of fear and danger that the dinosaur goes through and all these really almost borderline inappropriate moments for a Disney movie what this dinosaur goes through is is profound when you think of it in the context of like re, like relaying it to your story to your own story and you know a very weird part of that movie honestly is that they're on this on a walk trying to find food they find these apples on the ground they eat the apples and they look at the apples and they're like, "Oh, these are kind of rotten apples." And I don't even know if they were apples. And they start looking at each other and they start giggling and all of a sudden you if you've ever gone through this, you know what's about to happen. All the colors start to go bright. Weird, their eyes morph, they're they're giggling, their faces morph, they end up switching heads and bodies and they're like floating in the sky and skipping and having a ball. and then they're done and they're just they look hung over and it's in literally probably a 30 40 second scene probably actually probably even less than that but 100% they sh- uh, that disney movie showed the these two characters stumbling on some kind of psychedelic and having a fun little time with each other and i can't believe i even saw that in a modern day movie like they tripped with each other And it was kind of neat because even that plays into the story where in that moment of them having that moment they're bonding, right? So in a weird way it shed a light on just another part of his journey which was essential which was getting closer to his companion for better survival, you know? And uh in going through that, some cultures use these medicines to kind of go through this type of journey. I mean, the thing itself is called kind of a vision a vision quest. So that was kind of neat and um, you know, long story short, they meet a lot of different characters, go through some insane stuff. And he finally makes it back home 
and he was reunited with his mother and his siblings and after this whole journey um, and some details kind of at the end once he actually meets his family he gets to put his paw on a stone next to the rest of his family and it's just very heartwarming and it's and um, really really reminiscent of like either the hero's journey or just it just in this moment a rite of passage you know and I know a lot of cultures have them we like to paint certain ones in our culture with rites of passage with um, getting married or bar mitzvahs or first communions but it's like they're just events where then afterwards you like think that you can speak a certain way to like a kid after these things and 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 it's you know it's the conversation is loaded with more responsibility so like that's supposed to be their transition is like all right now i'm going to talk to you as an adult type of shit but they don't really like force any modulation of character or personality or heart or mind really you know a quinceanera for a 16 year old girl is just an excuse to fucking get presents and look pretty doesn't do anything for her character other than like all right now we're going to talk to you like a woman what does that even mean what like what does that mean so to me those aren't real rites of passage and some cultures have real ones and they're they can be violent they can be scary but i don't really know of many now and i think i i i, I question that a little bit and wonder like wow that would be really i wonder what on a macro level like what our society would look like if more kids had to go through a certain kind of uh, gauntlet like that at a certain age and it's neat because when I look into it it's like there's three stages to it there's there is the separation there is transition and then there's incorporation that's what the three phases are so when I parallel that to like myself and I'm like, you know what? I can see my personal jujitsu story like this. And it continues. But like, you know, when I use those three stages, I can pinpoint where they fall. Like, the day you sign up is your separation. Because separation means separation from a group and an idea and also... Um, from yourself there's a lot of symbolism in this rite of passage idea and like when you sign up and I don't know if you consciously do this but it's like you do kind of leave your old self behind with good intentions the intention to continue and to find what is ahead of you in that discovery and for me it was like yeah I wanted to say goodbye to in an old version of myself, an old passive, um, passive, insecure, um, kind of uncomfortable in my skin self, you know, and I wanted to venture out into joining a group that was on the other side of all that bullshit, you know. I wanted to see myself as somebody who was hardworking. I wanted to see myself as somebody who had discipline and heart and had 
the mental faculties to build the physical faculties to continue doing this. Because I knew this was hard, right? I always heard stories of it and I, I had seen it and I'm like, what is this? This is, this is giving me anxiety just watching it. And, you know, that, that to me was like the point of separation. Leaving behind an old idea of, of what I thought I was and then going into the process. You know, and to me, the transition, I see the transition, it's like it's multi-layered. Phase two and phase three are very multi-layered when I apply it to my jiu-jitsu. So like transition is the act, the act itself of finding the lessons and finding the self. So whether you write a passage is like a two-day really hard camp out in the woods, then your transition stage is that. It's the making the fires. It's not knowing how, how it's so cold out. How are we going to stay warm? Are we going to find our way out of this place? Like, am I prepared? All of the logistics and how they unfold. And to me, that is like the training. And it's, it, was, it was the training, but it was also like the mental part of the training. To me, up until Blue Belt. Because the real transition is like from the moment you sign up up until Blue Belt. Because you're constantly figuring out your body, figuring out your techniques, how to recall them, how to make muscle memory, how to know when to train more and when to dial it back. Because in the first stages of training, you're not used to anything like jujitsu. Your body is so sore. You're using all these different weird muscles that you just never used before. Because you didn't have to. Even if you lifted weights and went to the gym, it's all, it's all very isolated, you know? And that's why like different things like kettlebells and battle ropes and different types of exercises now are getting more popular, especially for like, like the grappling community because you can mimic a little more of that. But it was just nothing I had ever done before. But even more so was the mental game of having of pursuing all those things I just said. The transition, the 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 the, the vocal point of the transition stage for me was the mind game it took to actually continue to go back. I was constantly telling myself, I don't know, is this like I don't know if I can go tomorrow or I don't know if I'm good. It, it really was never, I don't know if I can continue this. I knew I wanted to continue this, but fuck, did I do it with so much anxiety? Like, like I am to me, the perfect example of, of really doing this because it's intimidating, you know, you see all these colored belts up here. You see people trying to choke each other and bend each other's friggin' limbs and do all this stuff for like 25 minutes, you know? And I'm like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get killed. What is this all about? And, you know, I, I didn't get into a lot of fights. And the physical altercations I had, they were, either, they were mixed with either the, a lot of bullying a lot of bus friggin' beatdowns or, um, you know, kids that were older than me, just, you know, obviously just 
just more bullying, physical bullying, or just the shit from home, you know? Like I said in, in previous podcasts, like it's, you know, a grown man putting their hand on you, that's, that, that rearranges your thought process and, um, you know, creates characters in your mind and now you're fearful of these things. So I, I was constantly fighting my anxiety in going to training because it was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. My ego came into play. I don't want to feel vulnerable because you're getting tapped constantly. You're losing all the time. You're really not losing. Philosophically, you're learning, but you're tapping. So you're not tapping anybody else, which means you got to be able to go in there and take what they give you and come out knowing that all the effort you put in there, even though you didn't get an advantage on anyone, is a step to cultivating this thing, which is jujitsu, right? You have to go through this horrible stage in the beginning. You know, because some people go in there and they have a wrestling background, they do all these things, they're comfortable with body-body contact. That was not me. I had to constantly convince myself to go in. And, you know, it's funny, and it might just kind of say something to just like, you know, the very male energy I have, but also the female energy I have in, in, in me, that like, <laughs> for probably half my white belt kind of transition stage, Going to class, I, I I needed to play music, and it was hilarious. I don't know what it was, but I made a Katy Perry playlist, and those fucking songs got me going. They they actually made me feel like, all right, I can do this. I am I am more than I than I'm assuming that I am. I don't know what that is, and i you know I, maybe I can explain it at some point. But I mean, even now, it taps into me. You know, my daughter's into some like really good like power metal stuff lately that I've been showing her and it's got a female singer and I die listening to it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I love that female powerful energy. You know what I mean? Just because it's like when it's that good, it's undeniable. And that's kind of one of the, that is one of the core things I want to show my daughter is to be undeniable right because then there is no ridicule there is no victimizing there is no saying i don't i didn't get this i didn't achieve that i didn't do that because of my status as a female or whatever fucking excuse somebody wants to make up for themselves because there are plenty of females that i know that don't use that shitty ass state of mind and i think what helps that is whatever you pursue you become undeniable and when we listen to this music i feel it and i and i just it's emotional for me and I just love this. She loves it. You know, it's her first favorite band. So I just, I milk it for all it's worth. So anyways, you know, I use that to, to get through my white belt transition. And, um, and in my mind, I get, I got, I, I got through this and it was, it, it was hard, man. It was hard. Every stripe had so much weight to it because you get stripes on your white belt, on all your belts. And as you collect them, you get four. And they kind of signify, they can happen whenever, but they kind of, they, they, they signify kind of where you're at in your stage at this belt. And after you, after you have four, the only place to go is to get your next color. And, <clears throat> and to me, an aspect of that transition stage, I, 
stopped and I went into the incorporation stage, which to me was when I got my blue belt, right? When you get your blue belt, you feel that you are now in a community because that's what the third phase is. The third phase is incorporating your lessons and embracing the embracing the strengths and the fortitude that you've just gone through in your transition stage and and intertwining them into the person that you now want to become so that that person actually helps your community and helps the people in your village or helps the survival of your family and friends you know you just you now become a little closer to becoming a pillar in your tribe um <clears throat> but also feeling a part of a tribe and that blue belt made me feel like all right i'm in it i have earned my way into a color and getting that blue belt was very emotional i mean i had i had a ceremony i had my wife and my sister there and and they knew how how important it was and they knew the grind they knew what it took you know going multiple days a week you know trying to eat right the whole time because when you eat like shit you don't do well going at 7:30 at night you're going there fighting at like 8:30 at night after you've worked all day and then getting up early to try to do it again and after work you know it's not easy but fuck is it rewarding man you feel you feel that you feel what you really are because you're testing what you really are on those mats physically you really are and it crosses over into just how how your how you cultivate your mental states and how they carry you you know there's an old saying of like how you roll on the mats is how you roll in life and i 100% believe that because people have different styles when they roll different techniques and that's what makes rolling so fun because you have your own and you get to see how that matches up with somebody else and see how theirs is better than yours so you can fix your game it's an endless feedback loop where everybody's just elevating and getting better and better and better and better and that's your tribe and i felt that i had now transitioned into belonging into the jujitsu community and the crazy part was that like as i got my blue belt so many things happened in my actual life i i bought a house um the big one was i had a daughter and the things that i had learned mentally on just getting back to the gym and then never mind refining my technique and what i needed to do to get an advantage through this kind of physical chess game served me so much in just how I was able to handle the stresses of being a new father it was unbelievable and it helped so much i mean you know a lot of things helped me in kind of trying to be calm in the beginning of this but just that little card that i had in my back pocket was like no motherfucker you're a blue belt like like you have a physical symbol of just kind of what you're capable of so use that pull from that when things get hard in your home so that you can you can exemplify these lessons to your family and to your daughter you know and fuck was that huge and 
as I was saying before, um, it's, you know, this phase two, phase three thing is also multi-layer as well, because as I hit phase three in the rite of passage type of thing, I also went back to stage two at the same time, because now we're in transition, because now it is a new experience from going from blue to purple. And that's a neat mechanism in itself. I love that. I love that that's in this. I get to reset now because it's not that it just continues. It's that you now are at a level where you can build on your skills, like leaps and bounds you can build on them because you have a grasp of at least decent fundamentals. But also everyone else is as good as you are. So they're not as, they're not like they were when they were white belts. They're just as good as you. So everybody's staying difficult to roll with. But when you're in, a, in an academy and you have mo a lot of higher belts, they now, they so wisely, knowingly, they, they know that you can take a little more. So now they're going to up their game, bring it a little harder for you. So now as you get your blue belt, you get more of a target on you from the, from the higher belt. So it becomes very difficult because they, you know, they would play with you a little bit like cat and mouse as a white belt, but now they know that you're coming after it and now you can take a little more. So it's that whole transition is very different too. And I still contemplating the anxiety, the fear, the ego, the performance, all of that, just the constant inner monologue going to training as a blue belt. And I, you know, it's like only until I found a few people that told me the truth. It's like, you feel like a unicorn because you're like, everybody's here kicking ass. And I feel like I'm like, I'm here with them. And I know I deserve to be, but does anybody else freak the fuck out getting in the car to come here? You know, you feel, you feel like you're alone in that thought, but you're not. And, and that's the beauty of it. It's that it's not just the physical. It's that everybody is kind of elevating their psyche as they're doing this because we're humans. And we all have egos and we're all working on trying to chip away at that. You know, and by, and by what I mean by ego is like, you know, this idea of what you think your identity is and how you've flavored that with all, with everything you've told yourself. And then all of it goes out the window because you're not the badass you thought you were. You're not the mentally strong person you thought you were. And are you willing to come back and do it over and over again so that that blade sharpens and sharpens and sharpens because it doesn't feel good if you translate all of that into failure. And that's why some people start and fucking take right off a good month in. And that's just the reality of it. You know, we get weightlifters in there. We get bodybuilders. We get all those guys. And this 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 notion that they have about themselves, it becomes so dismantled when they come in there and, you know, a guy or a girl at a buck 40 is finding their way to choke them within like a minute or so because it's all technique. It's all technique. It's not all technique, but you know, the more you grapple, the more strength you get because of grappling and blah, 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 blah. But if you don't know how to do it, you're lost. And when you're built like that and no one's ever tested you and you just kind of have this idea about yourself, you go in there and it's very humbling and it's just not comfortable. And people quit. A lot of people quit. And they quit more and more and more as you go up in, in, in rank. So, you know, stage uh, phase three. Oh, shit. Where are we at here? Where are we at here? It's all right. We're almost done. Phase three 
of the purple belt phase, you know, it's like unbelievable, unbelievable. Now I'm now I'm I'm working my effort in an area where I'm trying to reach the upper echelons of like good purple belts, brown belts. I'm tr- I'm trying to go after brown belts, which is hilarious. And then just really trying to go after black belts, which is even more hilarious. But you're putting in the effort. You're not, there isn't somewhere in the back of your mind where you're, you're, you're convince yourself that you're comfortable because you don't have any expectations because you're a white belt. No, there's an expectation. And that's what that phase three is, right? Is you get to incorporate it, but you get to bring back something from the ritual, from the ceremony, right? And the ceremony is kind of like is your belt promotion and you carry that color in a way that you represent everything that comes with that color the lifestyle the 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 health awareness the 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 knowledge of the technique but also like what does that what does that belt represent to you mentally and that is what carries the most weight with me because i've needed this martial art desperately and it came to me at the perfect moment when everything started to hit the fan and things got very very hard at purple belt and if it wasn't for jujitsu i have no idea what the fuck i would have done at purple belt level life really and you know with the things that went on with my wife and all so close together you know like i like i've said before in the last two years unbelievable like yes i have my weak moments a hundred percent more than i even want to admit but if i go back to the idea of like just a simple idea that no you're a purple belt don't disrespect that belt by giving into this moment whatever this is in life don't disrespect yourself and don't disrespect the belt and i know some people don't put a lot of stock in it but i do because it's not about me being a badass or anything like that. Because I'm going to be very honest with you. If there's a totem pole of purple belts, Harry's number, like, uh, whatever. One, if one is the lowest score, bottom of the totem pole. I am the worst purple belt in the entire room. But I know I deserve to be the worst purple belt. So then what do we do? We just move up. We use all of our great friends and partners to elevate ourselves and to get better. So that we get to climb up that purple belt totem pole and i embrace that 100 percent. i know where i stand there's a real pecking order in academies and i fucking love it because we all need to know where we stand in a room sometimes because it's humbling but what it represents and how it translates into life is i think exactly what this rite of passage idea kind of re- tries to reinforce in kids into adulthood but i think just like in adults adults need more rites of passage whatever that means to that person and to me this was this is that this was going into the frontiers of whatever this was physically psychologically emotionally discovering what it was knowing that it's a long journey and seeing how it changes me you know so that when the things from the side tried to come up and try to trip me or take me off the path I'll know how to deal with them better than I would have if I never started out in this voyage. And, um, and I will forever be grateful for the art itself. And I will 
I will be, you know, if there was a Jehovah Witness of Jiu-Jitsu, it would be me because I would be knocking on your door giving out pamphlets for a Jiu-Jitsu magazine because I believe in it in that much. That is one cult that I am a part of because I know what it what it did for me and it is one aspect of my life that has um, elevated me and kept me who kept me stable and transformed me into what I was looking for for a very long time and I'm still changing and I'm still growing and still learning and all that stuff but um, but uh, it 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 gave birth to what I always knew was there I just didn't know what the medium was that was going to actually uproot the whole thing and it was this and it's surprising to me because I am not a tough person I am not this I am not that I never did sports I never did any of that it is the perfect thing for an, a, not, a non-athletic person like myself to pursue. Because in the process, if it's done well with a good team and a loving coach, you can prosper and you can become what you thought you admired in other people before. But in your adulthood, you don't get to shrivel away. You don't get to give it up after college, you know? You get to stay into something consistent that is ever-changing mentally and physically and uh and i owe everything to it and i and i am a lucky few people that i would consider to have gone through and am going through a rite of passage and that's how i assign my jujitsu journey and um and i hope that other people find it no matter what it is because you know that hardship whatever that is if you engage in it and you kind of rise to that occasion and you figure it out, fuck, you are so better off, you know? And if we're all better off, we just all stop fucking with each other, you know? Less middle fingers on the road, less, less hateful memes, less this, less internet this, less depression-inducing, you know, like social media surfing, like all of this shit. You get to shed all of that away because you're in the moment in your pursuit. You're in the moment. It forces you to be in the moment. You can't be anywhere else when you practice something like this. It is paramount to be right there figuring it out. It is very zen. And um, yeah, so that's my cult. And uh, if you're willing to join, please join because we will welcome you with open arms. All right, guys. Thank you. Oh, and uh, don't forget the good dinosaur. It's so fucking good. <laughs>